1: And we join him right now with today's message.
2: I've entitled this message today, Tough Love. I I wanted to call it true love, but I, I went with tough love because of the 17 different characteristics that we're looking at. The ones that we're going to look at today might be the most difficult. Number one in your notes, love is not easily angered. Most of us get upset easily. The problem with getting angry easily, write these things down, no one wants to be around you. I mean, does anybody enjoy being around someone who just gets upset all the time over over nothing? Secondly, it's bad for your health. It's not good for you. And number three, most importantly, it is the exact opposite of what God has called you to do and to be. Amen. Amen. We wrongly think that if we yell and scream that we're going to get more accomplished. Some people just think that they think if I really yell, if I, if I really scream, if I really get mad, I'll get more accomplished. And in actuality, it's a reverse effect. The gentler and the kinder you are, the more you can accomplish. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, I want you to look at this verse. It says better uh, to be a patient man than a warrior better to be a man who controls his own temper than to be someone who can take an entire city and and the point is again that we're going to accomplish more in life by being a gentle person a loving person a patient person rather than warring all the time i want to add this too if you look at the text it does not say that love is never angry It, it says that love is not easily anchored you're going to get upset from time to time can someone say amen Amen. Uh, you're going you're going to feel anger it the the text says to not get easily angered you shouldn't be someone who gets upset easily there's a thing called righteous indignation the the bible talks about righteous indignation but righteous indignation is when you get upset not about how you are being mistreated. But righteous indignation is when you get upset about how other people are being treated. When you look at the injustice that goes on in other people's lives. That's what righteous indignation is all about. Jesus never showed uh, righteous indignation about how he was being treated, but he did get upset about how other people were being treated. He got pretty upset about how people were treating the Father's temple. He cleaned out the money changers in Matthew chapter 21 because they had turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. He got upset about the Pharisees and the hardening of their hearts and the twisting and the ignoring of God's principles. But we don't see Jesus getting upset about how other people treated him. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a what? A foothold. We, we should be slow to get into an angry state. Uh, if we get into an angry state, it should be over injustice on how other people are being treated And whatever state of anger you find yourself in, do not hold on to it. You need to deal with it before the sun sets. And that's where we all get stuck in our relationships. We get upset. We start to fight. We bicker. We lose patience. We easily get angry. and. It's a recipe for disaster because when the sun sets, if we don't deal, if we, if we carry it over until the next day, that's where things begin to get in serious trouble in our lives. Love is not easily angered. Number two, write this down. Love keeps no record of what? Of wrongs. And this is why I call this tough love because of all the 17 different characteristics, this in my opinion, is the most difficult to do. It's very typical in marriages for people to argue. Is that not correct? All you married people, would you not raise your hand and agree with me? It's tough being married sometimes. If you're a couple and you never argue and you never fight and you never get upset, I'm going to say you're strange. (laughs) Because everybody goes through these windows of time where you just find yourself in the midst of a quarrel. And what normally happens is that in the midst of that argument, one of the two parties, they pull out a laundry list of all the things you've ever done wrong. Even things that you discussed two years ago and four years ago and eight years ago. You get in a fight today, and they've never learned how to forgive and to forget. Usually, it means to love keeps no record of wrongs means that you don't keep a ledger. You don't. Keep a list of all the failures of the other party, rather, whether it's on paper or whether it's in your memory bank. True love, write this down. It's never easy. It's learning how to work through the problems. It's, it's write this down, it's learning how to forget. We often want to run from our problems rather than to work through the problems. But you're never going to work through the problems if you're going to hold on to what's wrong all the days of your life. I want you to write this down. You, You have to have a good forgetter. You can't live today and dwell in the mistakes of the past. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east, write that down, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. I'm thankful that the Bible verse does not say as far as the north is from the south, that it says as far, I'm glad it says as far as the east is from the west. I want you to write this down. From the north to the south is 12,430 miles. 12,430 miles. If you took a plane from the North Pole to the South Pole, which I don't know why you would want to do that, but... If you took a plane from the North Pole to the South Pole, it'd take you 38 and a half hours by plane, about a day and a half traveling by airplane to get from the North to the South. If he had said, when you travel the globe, North, the earth, North to South, North to South, if you stay in that direction, you go, you go South for 12,430 miles. But there comes a point if you're going in that direction where you end up, you cha- you're actually going North. If you go North, there comes a point where you start going south. It changes. You change directions. It's, it's every 12,430 miles, you're going north, then you're going south, then you're going north, then you're going south. But he said that he separates your sins as far as the east is from the west. If you go east and travel in that direction, that direction, if you go east, you're always going east. Write this down. That is for infinity. If you travel in a westerly direction... You can, you can travel west for all of eternity. You, n- you never, if you're going east, it's for eternity. If you're going to the west, it's, again, for infinity. And so I'm thankful that he says in this text that God separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. And not only does God remove our sin... Right, right. He chooses, he chooses to no longer re- even remember your sin. Uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. You know, God can do whatever He wants to do. Amen. God could choose to remember those sins, but He has chosen to never, ever again even remember our sins our job is to do the right thing and to love unconditionally to to lead by our example to serve and to give people a second chance and give them a third chance and give them a fourth chance and a fifth chance and a sixth chance and a se- se- you mean i'm supposed to forgive seven times peter asked the lord that the lord said no not seven times but 70 times seven. And you don't remind them of the other six times that you've forgiven them. By doing so, you're actually modeling the love of Christ, and they'll see Christ by the way we love. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 2, When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not what? Retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he trusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. You don't need to keep track of everybody's mistakes and everybody's failures. You just need to trust that one day God will make all things right in his due time. Number three, this is is verse six. Verse six, it says, write this down, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the what? With the truth. I want you to write this down. There's much evil in our world. Everywhere you turn. You know, the city in which I live, if if I just... I'm looking this direction, but if I just turn this direction and look out across the San Fernando Valley, it's the number one producer of all the pornography in the entire world. And every city official and every person who lives in this valley, we just all look the other way. And it's evil. We are the leading state in abortions in America. I saw this week that in Los Angeles, there are 80,000 gang members. Now, those of us that live up here in Porter Ranch, we're kind of like oblivious to what's going on in the rest of the city. 80,000 gang members. The average age of life expectancy for a gang member is age 20. I, I think of all the things in our city, and I want you to write this down, we should never be happy about sin. When we look at The evil that's in our world, it should break our hearts. Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem, and the Bible says that he wept. When was the last time that you literally wept over this city that we've been called to love? This last week, I saw a photograph. It's a picture in New York of the city officials signing a document or a bill stating in essence, that abortion is to be allowed up to the day of birth. And there is a part of the bill that says even after the child is born, if they're still alive, it's okay to take his life after, after the child is born. I know there are many layers to the issue of abortion. I understand that. You don't need to tell me the other side of the coin because I, I already know all the other sides of that, of that coin. But the bottom line that the Bible says that life begins at conception, that's what the Bible says. In fact, if you haven't tuned me out, hear this. The Bible actually says that before you're, this this will mess with your brain, before you're ever conceived, God, God knew who you were. Think about that. Before conception, God knows who you are. And the taking of a life uh, under any circumstance, I mean, I don't, I don't care what the circumstance is. That can, never, that can never be a happy occasion. And that's what bothers me when I looked at the photograph of all the people in the legislation signing this, this bill, this document. Every, everybody in the photograph is smiling. They're all like these big old smiles and happy that we're signing this bill. How, how can you be happy over something like that? My point is, Maybe, maybe abortion is not something that you rejoice in. My question is, is there, is there any sin that you rejoice over? I mean, think about the music that you listen to. Some of it is just, some of the music that we listen to is just evil. And some of you are like, like, oh, man, this is great. I love this guy. This is great stuff here. Some of the movies that you watch on Netflix, oh, man, I love this. I love the whole thing. It's, it's all evil. The Bible says that true love does not rejoice Over that which is evil, but rejoices over that which is what? True. Isaiah 520 says, Woe to those who call evil good and those who call good evil. And that's the days that we're living in here today. There are certain things in our culture today that are pure evil that the world says, Oh, these are good. This is a good thing. And those of us that are trying to honor God and serve God and live for God... We're the ones that are now called evil in our culture today. John seventeen seventeen. Now pay attention to this verse. It says, "Sanctify them by the truth." Jesus prayed this prayer. Sanctify them by the truth, and you say, "Well, what is truth?" And then Jesus said, "Your word is truth." I understand, and, and I, I've, I've I don't. I, I'm not trying to make anybody mad here today. I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to say next. I understand the Hollywood crowd and the agnostic and the atheistic crowd and the secular crowd and the uh, secular media and entertainment and the institutions of higher uh, education learning. I understand they, they rejoice in that which is evil, but it's the church, those of us that are saved, those of us that call ourselves Christians, those of us who have been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we as believers ever rejoice in things that are evil? We get in trouble when we try to stand for the truth, but we don't do it in a loving way. I I think as believers, we should all be disgusted by the evil that's in this world. We, We should never, ever condone sin. We, we should never justify sin. But we live in a city that's full of people that are caught up into sin. And the problem is sometimes we stand on the truth of the Word of God, but we don't do it in a loving way. And when we don't, when we don't stand in truth in a loving way, then the world will shut us out. But I firmly believe that as believers that we should always speak the truth in a loving way. If you do it in a loving way, you've got a chance. There was a missionary uh, named Doug Nichols who went to India, and he was studying the language, and he developed tuberculosis, and he was placed in a sanitarium, and he was, it was not a good place. It was not clean. The conditions were difficult because there were so many sick people. Doug decided to do the best he could in that situation, and he took some Christian books and some literature, some, some Bible tracts, and he tried to witness to the other patients in the sanitarium, but he, as he was witnessing, he was handicapped because of his inability to communicate very well in the language, and so he felt discouraged. As he tried to hand out the tracts in the books, no one, not one person would take any of the material. And here he was, because of his illness, he would be there a long time. It seemed like the work that he had come to do in India would not be accomplished because no one would listen to him. Because of his tuberculosis, every night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, he would wake up with chronic coughing himself that would not quit. He said that one night he awoke he noticed across the aisle was an old man trying to get out of bed. And as he watched, he said the old man would roll himself in a little ball and he would start to rock trying to, go get, to gain the momentum to get up and to stand up on his feet. But no matter how hard he tried, he just couldn't get up. He was too weak. And finally, after several failed attempts, he said the old man just laid down and wept. He said the next morning, Doug understood why the man was weeping. He was trying to get up so he could go to the bathroom, but he didn't have the strength to get up, and so now his bed was a mess, and there was an awful smell in the room. And the other patients made fun of the old man. And the nurses came to clean his bed, and they actually slapped him in the face and scolded him. And once again, the old man just laid there and cried. Doug said the next night, about 2 o'clock, sure enough, he himself woke up coughing again. And he said he looked over, and there was that old man trying to get out of bed once again. He said, I, I, I didn't really want to do it, but some, somehow I managed to get up myself. He said, and I walked across the aisle, and I helped that elderly man to his feet. But he said the man was too weak to even walk. So Doug said that I took him in my arms and carried him like a baby. He said he, he was so light, it wasn't even a difficult task He said, I took him into the bathroom, which was nothing more than a hole in the dirt floor. And he said, I stood behind him and supported him as he took care of himself. And then I carried him back to his bed and laid him down. And he says, as I turned to leave, the old man grabbed my face and pulled me close and kissed me on the cheek and he whispered, thank you. He said the very next morning, the patients were standing next to him and asked if they could read some of those tracts and some of those books. Others began to question about his faith and the God that he served. And Doug Nichols said that over the next few months, he gave out all of that literature and that there were many patients and nurses and even some of the doctors that had accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He said, how did that happen? Not because I preached a sermon. He said, I couldn't even communicate in their language that, that good. I didn't have to give a brilliant lesson to teach them. He said, all I did was take an old man to the bathroom. And anyone can do that. There is a more excellent way. The way of love. Not being easily angered. Keeping no records of wrongs. Standing on the truth of the word of God and loving the way Jesus loved in both word and in deed.
1: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. If you're like me, you've discovered there are some books in the Bible that are not always easy to navigate through. Like for instance, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs contains 31 chapters and can be very daunting to go through if you are looking for a specific topic. That's why Pastor Dudley has created the perfect resource to help you with the book of Proverbs. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack, and it is our special offer for everyone listening today. Proverbs in a Haystack removes the challenge of searching through the book of Proverbs. It has over 2,000 topics that easily cross-reference to the exact chapter and verse you are looking for. This invaluable resource can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus radio ministry. You can receive your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack by calling us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know you will be blessed by this unique resource created exclusively by Pastor Dudley. So be sure to call right now and ask for your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack today. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.